no, yo, well, this is Red Rat and Keep It Locked Entertainment Report Podcast. And the baddest podcast around town. Now, you can't take them for the clown. Hey, you girl in the tight up skirt. Keep it locked. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is Muscle, and this is another Two Line Music Huts Entertainment Report Podcast. And today, we have a 90s living legend in the building. Listen, this man gave you songs like Shelly Ann, Dwayne, Tight Up Skirt, Cruz. Big man, look at you. Listen, he had crazy hits in the 90s to this day. He's still putting out crazy music right now. You know who we have in the building today? We have Red Rat in the building today. What's going on, Big Boss? Oh, no. Well, go on, Yes, man. Maximum, maximum, maximum respect for joining us here on the Entertainment Report podcast today. Yeah, yeah man. Thanks for having me on the program, my brother. Yeah, man, for sure. Um... I don't know, no, I know guaranteed 1000%. You will not remember this, but listen, this was like about 12 to 15 years ago, we did an interview. And in this interview, you said to me, listen, help helps. Just those two words right there <laughs> totally changed everything wrong. I've never thought about it that way before. Yeah, man, I, I grew up, um, I'm a countryman, you know, so yeah. I grew up with, with, with a country mentality, knowing that, you know, one, whatever you put out there in the universe definitely comes back to you. So I tend to live my life just, you know, wherever I can help to, to anybody in the world, I know it's yeah. going to come back to me. So I have to put that out there. For sure, one thousand percent guaranteed. Let's get into the history of Red Rat because you got you got a lot of history. You know what I mean, and especially being in twenty twenty, there's certain things that people won't know that we want to just bring them right up to speed right now. All right, let's get it. Let's go. <laughs> music business. How did you enter the music business, and why did you decide to be a DJ, a poster, like a selector, a singer, or anything else? Why a DJ? Well, I entered the music industry from the day one when I came out my mom's and the doctor slapped my butt and I started to cry. Yeah. That that, that crying alone was, oh, nay. it was amazing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, I grew up in the music industry because most of my family is in music. So my father used to play um, guitar for Byron Lee and the Dragonaires. Okay. Um, he, he also was the producer of Byron Lee's first um, album, Softly. And he's also from a band back in the 70s in the UK called Jimmy James and the Vagabonds. Got you. Then um, my oldest brother plays bass for Jimmy Cliff and Diana King. And I also have a brother that plays drums. He used to be from the band in Jamaica called the Mob Band. They used to yeah. pop Beanie Man and Bounty Killer. Yeah, the drummer was my brother. And um, my, my, uh, my other brother was a DJ on IRFM, um, DJ Shinehead. Yeah. Um, Steely and Cleavy. Cleavy mm -hmm. is also my uncle. So it's, it's a whole family affair. What? I didn't know that it went that deep. I knew, okay, I can't sit here and lie. I knew about your dad um, playing for Byron Lee. I knew you had two yeah. other brothers that were in something, but I didn't know it was this serious. Yeah, man, it's a whole yeah. family affair. But I didn't get it easy. They, they, they given me. They gave me the run for my money. I had to prove myself. Yeah. Um, I was not. I was the the second to last out of five boys. And when you have all big brothers, they ain't gonna play soft with you. They'll make sure yeah. they give it to you. You know what I mean? So, I get it rough. 
Yeah, I, I believe you. So, okay, so now you're dealing with um, Steely Cleavy, that's production. You're dealing with people playing instruments. You're dealing with backing band and stuff. So why did you decide the artist route? What made you decide to say it? And especially Big, DJ opposed to sing. Because, because they didn't want me to touch their instruments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I, I play four instruments. A lot of people don't know that about me. Like, I, I play four instruments, and I've been producing since uh, um, 1999. So I play the okay. drums because I learned from my brother. I yeah. play the guitar because I learned from my father, and bass as well from my brother. But I play piano by ear. Okay. And, um. I was I was just I was just that kid that always wanted to be the center of attention. So, the 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 the, the, more, the place that it definitely was for me was on the stage. Was you know in front of everybody doing everything because yeah. I was that 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 person that loved to entertain. That was you from beginning. And how, what year did you say you actually professionally entered the music business? Um. What would you say professionally though? Because um, my my brother was in a band called City Heat, mm -hmm. which was the back band for Diana King back in the days, right? Okay. And they used to play in all the the hotels on the north coast in Jamaica. And my mother, my mother used to be like the seamstress. She used to make all the 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 this the uniforms for all the hotels. So okay. I used to be there all all the time. And my first performance ever was with them. They called me on the stage, and as a little kid i sang um a b c and the people went crazy and from that i was like you know what this is something that i wanted to do and then when i moved to i was about seven years old um i used to go to a school called meadowbrook meadowbrook prep school and they used to have like you know fets and barbecues between this prep school and the high school and you know, me and my brother used to be the, the, the performers at the time, you know, being on all the, the, the barbecues and the feds. So I, I started um on the performance scene before I, I, I got into the studio scene. Okay. And, um about fourteen, fourteen, yeah, about thirteen, fourteen, I met general degree because you know Danny Brownie is also my uncle. And um, Danny Brony was producing general degree at the time. And, you know, I started to par with degree. Yeah, mm. man. Steely and Cleve, um, Cleve and Danny and the basic for um, Tyrus Riley, Glenn Brony. All of them is Brony brothers. Um, the git for um, for Freddie McGregor is yeah. also a Brony. So all of them is uncles. Okay. So, um, but when, when I was in about 14, that's when I started to part with general degree and go into these different studios and studios. And even though Danny was my uncle, I went into the studio until one day I said to him, yo, you know something can DJ? Yeah. <laughs> so laugh off on the wicked tongue, like yeah. jump on the ground, laugh. Yeah. And so what do you know about DJ? And it, I said, just give me a chance. And I said, all right, come on, carry me to the studio. And I've never left the studio since. And what year, what year was this? At 14, that was probably 93, 94. So, okay. So then you got into the studio 93, 94. And did you actually have your name at this time or you got your name as you became an artist? Okay. So back in, in prep school and everything, I used to play soccer for this, for this, for the school. I was one of the top footballers for the school. Um, was real skinny and the coach 
the courts. Well, you know, Jamaican people stay. They don't want to buy a government name. They yeah. want to find whatever it is you look like uh -huh. or whatever it is just to call you that. So because I was and you don't know, my complexion in Jamaica is considered red. Yeah. Um, you used to call me mice. You used to name, so I, I, as growing up these fets and barbecues, I used to call them mad mice. But then when I look up with degree now, I start going to the studio. Him say, yo, change your name, man, because you have white mice already. You have singing yeah. mice, different mice already that was out here. Mr. said, well, dig, you want to change my name. So, you know, find a name and, and, and let me know if me work with it. And yeah. him, he was pondering for a good, like, two hours or whatever. And he come back and say, I find it. You're red and you look like a rat. So you need a red rat. <laughs> and I know in Jamaica, if you fight against a name that they give to you, they go person name so i was like all right, right, right i'll keep it's it it's good crazy crazy <laughs> yeah so okay so degree was the one that came up with your name then yeah man degree is the one that you know decided that i read and i look like a rat so yeah <laughs> it's, <laughs> stuck, it's it's stuck from that <laughs> yeah and you figured listen it doesn't make sense to try to fight against this because the harder i fight is the more they're gonna push it I, i've i've seen it all brother i've seen yo jamaican people are so creative and funny that you know, they'll use a fact that somebody's dying of AIDS or whatever yeah. and, call, and say, yo, Wagwan soon dead. <laughs> Buddy, welcome to Jamaica, bro. Welcome to Jamrock. Yeah, I mean, all right. Okay, so you got your name. And what was the first song that you actually recorded on your name, Red Rat? Uh, my first record out of Main Street is a song called Itsy Bitsy. Itsy Bitsy. Okay, I'm not familiar with that one there. Yeah, man, it was, it was, um, you remember the song that Buccaneer did, um, Holy Baboya no Sadema Gangsta, but Dema Bonky Brewster. I was on that yeah. rhythm. Okay. The song was called Itsy Bitsy, and out of nowhere, Beanie Man heard it and did his own Itsy Bitsy. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, okay. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. And how did you even develop your your sound and your catchphrase um it was it was out of i, I wouldn't say buck ups but um I, I back in the days my biggest influence in dance music was like super cat and shabarangs and and, and bujobantan and then after i started to you know power general degree i wanted to sing with that big voice so i used to practice Julium, Philip, and them. like try to sound like general degree and yeah. um um, being a part of Main Street crew is like he was the the producer that always comes with gimmick records like Lord, me can't take it no more and nice. Granny stop hollering down and he he was that yeah. type of producer. So yeah. when I when I used to go to him with the you know the, the songs them with the big voice or whatever because if you listen to the song Itsy Bitsy it was more of a you know I know Itsy Bitsy thing. it was like more of a, a big voice type thing. Okay. And then, so um um. So the song Shelly, and just to give you a breakdown of, of how that came came to be, um, at my school, I was like the, the top entertainer as the youth were in at the school. I used to bring all the DJs there in the barbecues and fets and all of that. So when they would have like um, a barbecue or a fete, they would call me. So they had this Miss Meadowbrook, which is a pageant, beauty pageant that they um, keep for all schools. So mm -hmm. I was a part of the bringing the entertainment for the Miss Meadowbrook project. Mm -hmm. So there was a girl who entered Miss, Miss um, Meadowbrook who she actually won, her name was Shellyan. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And, um, you know, when in a pageant, each contestant has to do uh, whatever um, talent they had. And her thing was being like a, a, doing a skit or whatever. And okay. a, par a part of the skit is that she was telling everybody about, because she was also the head girl of the school, and she was telling everybody about the relationship that she have with the principal. And in the skit, she said, the principal always said to her, you see that girl, Shelly Ann? And uh, when, when, when we used to, it was so funny that every time we see her after that, we used to say, yo, that girl, that girl, Shelly Ann. And then um, Danny heard me one day saying it to her because she came up to the studio or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he said, yo, that, that is the song, you know. Go home and write that song. And I went home and I penned it. And me and Madan um penned it. And yes. yeah, Madan was was the writer for Main Street. So he gave me pointers of what to say and what to do in the song. Okay. And when I went to Danny and sang it for him, he dropped off at the sheer and say, yo, boss. Yeah. One of the biggest songs that, and funny enough, you know, when, when I mm -hmm. recorded, when I recorded the song and I left Jamaica, because at that time, my father was living in the Cayman Islands and, and I, I left Jamaica to go over there and I started working in the supermarket over there called Foster's. Okay. And the song released and I didn't know and was the number one song in Jamaica and Degree called me and said, yo, right, you need to come back to Jamaica. And I said, Degree, for what? Yeah. And this man said, dog, your song is the number one song in Jamaica. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> crazy, crazy. <laughs> yeah, wow. And this was, so this was actually your second song that you recorded for Main Street at that time there? Yep. And that's the song just took off like that? Yep. <laughs> wow. Okay, so then I guess it's because the first time you tried to give them the big, heavy voice. And yeah. that wasn't really working. You said, okay, more a gimmicks. Yeah. Which Shelly Ann had Oh No in that in that song there also? Were you yeah. didn't for that yet? Yeah, so how Oh No came came about now is um when I was recording that girl Shelly Ann now, and I then there was a line in the first verse that I said, You squeeze her head and her leg, them open. Uh, after I said the line, I, I start laughing in the um in the recording, um, in the voice, the voice recording booth, and I went, Oh, oh no, and then he said, Yo. That's your catchphrase. Keep that saying that all over and over in the song. Anytime you say something funny like that or something, you know, cheeky like that, say oh no. And that's how oh no came about. Just like that. Just like that. <laughs> that is so great. Again, especially something that would be synonymous with you for the rest of your life. Yeah. You didn't even you didn't plan it. You didn't say, okay, I'm gonna try this. You oh man, you know what? And it worked. That's how it works, man. Like in, 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 in Main Street, I've seen it happen time after time after time. Like, Lord, we can't take it no more. It was a joke. It was a joke that all of us was running in the studio. And Danny was, he was always keen to certain things like that to be like, yo, let's, let's go in the studio to do that. Mm -hmm. Or at least try it and see what happens. Exactly. Because yeah. there's, there's many ideas that was tried at Main Street that never worked, but enough of them connect. Yeah. And the original, who was the original Main Street crew at that time there? Okay, so Main Street crew wasn't a crew, it wasn't a crew until myself, Goofy, Hawkeye, and Madanjo formed the crew because what happened was um on this on the scandal rhythm, mm -hmm. there was only young artists on the rhythm. None of the big artists didn't have a vice. Mm -hmm. So so the only the only um, when this, the rhythm come out, is Goofy was the one that took the rhythm from Danny because I don't think Danny was going even gonna put out the rhythm. 
So Goofy took the rhythm with me, my song um, Shelly, and his song Fuji. Um, Madandra had a song on the rhythm, and Hawkeye had a song on the rhythm, mm-hmm. and took it to Irie FM because he and Biggie had a, 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 a friendly relationship. And he mm-hmm. gave it to Biggie, and Biggie loved it, and he played it the Friday, and by Monday morning, it was the biggest song in Jamaica. That's so wild. And then that's how you guys <laughs> formed so, the crew. So because, beca- because of that, now we became the, the, the two hottest, the, the hottest things in Jamaica. And we decided at the time, you know, you had Shocking Vibes crew and you had, you know, Scare Them crew. So let's build our own crew and call it um, Main Street crew. At the time, Degree and Buccaneer and all of them didn't want it to be a part of the crew because the difference between Main Street crew and every other crew is that each artist was their own star in their own right. Yes. Because in Shocking Vibes, it was Beanie Man and the Shocking Vibes crew. Not saying that, you know, Devante and Tonto Metro and uh, all of them wasn't stars in their own right. But it, when you see um, a, a Sunfest flyer or any big show flyer, it was Beanie Man, Shocking Vibes, Bounty Killer, Scare Them, and then Red Rat, Buccaneer, Degree, Lady G, Papa. It was everybody there in their own right as, as a star. And then it when when Main Street within itself when the whole crew became the 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 biggest crew in in outer dance hall that's when everybody embraced it and you know it's Main Street crew. As Main Street crew, wow! And who exactly is in or was in Main Street crew at that time? There it was Red Rat, Goofy, Hawkeye, Madanjo, Lady G, Buccaneer, General Degree, Papa San, Lieutenant Stitchy, Chrissy D. Chico, um, Alazade, Kiprich. That's how big the crew was, boss? Yeah, I don't think I left out anybody. Hopefully I didn't. Yeah, that's like about 13 of you guys, right? After that. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I didn't realize, I, I know the Lady G part and all of that, the Hawkeyes and stuff, but I didn't realize that Papa Richie Stevens too. Sorry, I, I forgot about Richie and Junior Tucker. So it's like fifteen of us. Because I remember the first time we went to Costa Rica, everybody came, and it, the whole plane was full of us. And it was like, yeah, this is a movement right here. So we 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 started the movements from back in the day. So that's why now when we we have this new movement called Mogul Movements, you know, yeah. everybody know what we could do and want to be a part of the movement. Yeah. Definitely. We're getting there soon because that's our baited <laughs> version, but we got to definitely deep dive into this mainstream crew here because, as I said, I didn't realize that Papa San and Stitchy was a yeah. part of the mainstream crew also. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. They were the original uh, members. It was Stitchy, Papa San, Junior Tucker, and General Degree. And then um, Papa San brought Lady G in, yeah. and and then Richie Stevens came in, and it, it I I because I've been there from when I was a kid. I saw everything yeah. how it started. So what year did Main Street actually really start, and then it turned into a crew? Then, um, the 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 Main Street um first hit song was Granny with General Degree. That's when Danny yes. um Danny Danny was in Bloodfire Posse. Danny was the 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 lead the lead um the band leader of Bloodfire Posse. He played the guitar in Bloodfire Posse. And um when the, the group mashed up, he decided to become a producer and that's when he started Main Street. But the crew, Main Street crew started when we bust in a ninety-six. That's listen, again, you just hear the music you played and stuff because I was a DJ back then playing it, but you don't really understand how deep this really went. 
Yeah, man. With um, Danny Brownie being in Blood Bloodfire Posse, had no idea about that. Wow, <laughs> not that wasn't even a thought. Yeah, man, he was he was the band leader. Yeah, yeah, man. You learned something new. All right, so then let's. So, 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 so I guess you didn't know that the bass player of Rough Cut Band was also in Bloodfire Posse. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't know that. I, no, okay. I, I see. Hold up, hold up, I see. Hold, I see. hold up, let me give you a bigger one. Yeah. Did did you know that Lenky that plays piano was in Bloodfire Posse too? No. <laughs> but he got into Bloodfire when the keyboard, the original keyboardist died. Yeah. And then Danny brought him in and he was in Bloodfire as well. And then now it's like they turned out to be their own super producers in their own right. Yeah, man. Skiata was the last singer of Bloodfire Posse before they broke up. That I do know, you know what I mean? Because I remember, because <laughs> I remember Jaro playing a lot of Skata. And that's yes. basically he was telling you the story. Okay, yeah, this is where he came from. So that part, I do. Yeah. Know. But the rest, no idea. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wow. Okay, so you're full first, of history, man. We're full of history. <laughs> and your first bona fide hit was Shelly Ann. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What did that song do for your career right out the gate? Um, it was actually the best thing that ever happened to me because it went number one globally in on every reggae charts globally it was a number one record mm -hmm. and also it was number one on some major record uh, major charts as well the bbc charts it was number one when we went to um nothing in carnival for the first time i was number one whitney houston was number two goofy was number three and i was number four or number five i think with big man like you so you know it, 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 I mean, as a, as a kid from, I, I was still in high school and it, it was, you know, if, if I didn't, uh, to be honest with you, if I didn't have, if I didn't see artists come and go, it probably would have, you know, run to my head and I probably wouldn't have been here today. Yeah. But, you know, I give God the glory because without father, God, nothing possible in our life, brother. Yeah. I hear you 110%. So after Shelly and what was the next song for you or what direction do you decide to say okay oh lord <laughs> oh lord when degree called me i said shelly had the biggest song in the jamaica before i even reached back to jamaica i had like five records ready so after shelly and i said to myself all right i have the girl version so definitely i forgot to the man the, the counteraction feed to the man version so yeah. uh, as, as soon as i went back to jamaica i, I recorded doing and when Dewey and Drop Dewey was number one for like 10 months straight. Crazy. Okay, yeah. get into that now. How did you how did you decide to flip it from Shelly Ann to Dwayne? How did you even come up with that there? Um, I mean, being around producers like you know, Danny and Steely and Cleavy, you kind of see how they work and, and understand the business from certain aspects. So when you get a a a, a a huge success with certain things mm -hmm. you have to ride with it and and, and know exactly what you're doing because for me the, i was one of the first to, to start calling names in dance like shelly and so i was like all right keep the names going so i went you know doing and i went charlene and i went mix up melissa and you know i caught that was my thing yeah. So so and and also a lot of artists used to whenever they have a girl song they would counteract their own songs and and do the man version and it was only it only made sense for, for me to go doing with when I went when I did the song doing and mm -hmm. funny enough when I came back and Danny was like yo you're a big star now and let's do our next our next um our next single to follow up Shelly and he didn't like doing 
when I sang doing for him, he did not like doing for nothing. That's why it was recorded on Buccaneer, Buccaneer's label. Okay, so that's not a Main Street production. That's that's not a Main Street production. That that was recorded on Buccaneer's label. So the the the, the next Main Street song was probably three songs after because I did doing after that, and then I went to Steely and Cleavy and I recorded Good Boy. Yeah, and then Main Street put out um, Rich Rhythm, which is Big Man Lika Yoted Me and Goofy. <laughs> wow, and then you circle back to Main Street. To Main Street with Big Man Lika Yoted, and then after that, I, I came to him again with um, Tight Up Skirt, and he didn't like it either. And so I went back to Buccaneer. <laughs> <laughs> so my two biggest records is from Buccaneer. That is crazy. <laughs> and Buccaneer was original part of Main Street, but yeah, he had but, his own thing on the side also. Yeah, he started to do his own production thing where you do the, the opera thing and all of that. And yeah, I was I I, I gave him his first hit record, which was doing. And then you know, me and Buccaneer have a different relationship than everybody else in Main Street because he's like my brother, my brother, my brother. You know what I mean? Yeah. We 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 go through you know. Whole heap of things together, and you know, I mean, up to today, he's like my, one of my, you know, my best friends, my brother, my brother. So, yeah, yeah. definitely big it up. So, okay, we have Shelly Ann doing under your belt here. When did you actually start flying and performing these songs to see how it, how it was to actually test it out on a stage and how people actually reacted it? Um, so that song was released, I would say, in October of '96, mm-hmm. and then, um, it start mash up the place and then we started to do like you know um shows around the country like you know we went to mandeville and we went to you know certain places and the buzz was getting so big from out of jamaica that um people started to call all over the world you know what i mean and then my first time ever flying out of jamaica is we did a concert in boston that's the yeah. first time i ever left jamaica um in the call in December, it was December 6th, 1996. I remember that call. It was Main Street crew, me, Goofy, Hawkeye, Madanjo, Buccaneer, Degree, and Anthony B. Okay. And first time I run out, and we learned, we learned, I learned a, a, a trick from Beanie Man. Um, I always tell people, like, I learned how to put the difference between us mm-hmm. and the new artists, them nowadays, is that. We wanted to learn, so we didn't feel no way to ask any of the older artists how you do this and how you do that. So mm-hmm. I always credit Beanie Man for teaching me how to perform. Mm-hmm. Beanie Man and, and Ninja Man taught me how to perform. They don't even know that. So um, uh, we used to go on the stage, and then when I sang Shelly and got the reaction, that's when we realized, all right, these records are huge. And then after Boston, it was a three three show weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. The Saturday now we left Boston, we left um Boston on a Friday and went to New York on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I did um Q Club. Man in, in, in Queens. When I went to Q Club, brother, and, and when we pull up and see the line wrapped around the the, the, the block about three time and them say, yeah. yo, inside rum. That's when you know say, so, all right, yeah. Yeah. That's some big song there. Yeah. And then we did and then we did Actory on Sunday which was in Bronx and the tree show them was sold out. And from there, we start flying all over the world. Yeah. And this time you just had two songs or you only had one song out at this time? There? We, we had, um, we, we had Shelly Ann, 
Good Boy was bubbling, Big Malika Youth was bubbling, and then I just recorded Doing, but it never catch it. So, so when we do Doing now, we did a we did a um a show in Mirage nightclub. That this is before Sting in December, same way. It was Main Street crew and Club Ram, same way. And I tried out the song, and that's that. That was one of the fastest records to bust for me as well. When I tried out the song, the world plays lift, and then Buck and you put it out, and the DJs that get it already, and blah blah blah. So this is where the the, the performance thing come in. Where Beaniman taught me where when we did Sting, we 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 only had um. The, the, that's when Shelly and do and and Fudge was the two biggest record. Beaniman said to me, "Say listen, mm-hmm. you have two songs with the people them know." Mm-hmm. Start with your biggest song. I'm mean, say you're mad. I'm gonna start with, with she- you're mad. We can't start with Shelly and that. The people them come fear. The man said, Trust yeah. me, I have another song for back it up. And I never forget that to this day. Yeah. So every time I go on the stage, I start with my biggest record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like you just want to capture them right away and then we'll worry about anything else from there. But you see these first. Once, once, you, have, once you have the people, then you can do anything better. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so I didn't realize in between um Shelly Ann and Dwayne that Big Man Little Youth and what was the other one was recorded also? Good boy. Good boy. Yeah, try to be a good boy, you know. Whatever way we go, they get like yeah. yeah, man. Yeah. Crazy song. So that caught on after Dwayne that even though it was released first. Yeah, it was bubbling. It was bubbling. I mean, the, the, all them songs seem like it all dropped one time. Yeah. In people's mind, because the the span of the records they didn't just come and fade away. They was they was even when doing boss Shellyan was still a big song, and when tight up skirt boss doing and Shellyan was still big and tight and big man like youth was a big record and Cruz and Wrigley's and Charlene are pretty care and Kias all of these records was big records at the same time. So mm-hmm. it, it, even though it was even like realistically it was a span between ninety six. To 99 because 99 was when Main Street crew dissolved because Danny Brown became a Christian. So all of that you're happened. Moving, you're moving too fast, you know, Red Rock. Right, we're, right. gonna... <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna get there, you know. We're Sorry, gonna... brother. But yeah, but that, that's the thing, is like all these songs was just dropping at you know, back to back to back to back. And because none of them never flopped, all of them was just hitting back to back right away. You know what I mean, you have some artists that you put out as they they put out a hit song and then drop two songs and it all right and then them find back another one and then two more. With me, it was back to back to back to back. Yeah. So you'd say like in that that four year time there, which was like a ninety six to a ninety nine, a three four year was really where you would say that was where you got the bulk of your career right there. That those absolutely. Absolutely. When when Oh No It's Red Rat came out in, in nineteen ninety seven now, um, which was my first album, that was one of the albums in Dancehall. I had fifteen tracks on that album and thirteen of the fifteen went number one somewhere across the world. Crazy. Yeah. I'm- and as a as a little youth, I, I always aspire to be like cause only two albums you can compare with with oh no it's red rat mm-hmm. and it's it's shabarang's x-rated mm-hmm. and and bujubantan misa mentioned yeah. where every song was a hit song on the album you know yeah. and that's what i aspired to be as a little youth because i used to look up to them artists there and, and wanted to be you know when when me boss me want make sure say everybody know me and everybody 
you know, wanted to, you know, Red Rat was for them artists. So, yeah. you know, Father God bless me to, 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 you know, stay focused because a lot of, let me tell you this, brother. You know much artists this me? I say, oh, yeah, look a red uptown boy in a country I come from in a dog. Remember, yeah, man, remember one artist this me wicked already, and I never call him name yet. Mm-hmm. And man, t- yo, come out of music business, man. You're, you're not gonna bust in a this, man. And I live to see yeah. him come back and apologize. And, you know what I mean? So so I mean I I went through it, but it, it was a great feeling for you no know, say yo. May accomplish something when we didn't really want to accomplish in the dance hall. All right, that's big, dear. Because with your album, your first album, you said what was the name of the first album? Oh no, it's Red Rat. What was that process like recording that album? Because did you have out all the singles before, and then it was some new songs you're putting on the album, or was it something totally different? Because because my my break was so quick. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened was Danny was was trying to do the album mm-hmm. but because um all of these songs was recorded because i came back with I, when i came back to jamaica I, I i was loaded with songs yeah so i was just recording recording i never spent time to say i'm gonna re- um sit down and work on an album per se so right. all these songs was compiled for the album um mm-hmm. no live nowhere was recorded specifically for the album which is um, Street Side of my bass. Um, Cruising down the girls' them highway. That was recorded specifically for the album. Um, if I get one try, tell her she not get no blind. Na, 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 for you. That was specifically recorded for the album. Okay. Um, Bojo B and Red Rat was recorded for both albums because Bojo was working on his album at the time. And I I got to use it for my album at the time too. So that was those four tracks was specifically recorded for the album. But everything was just songs that made the record to steal and record to everybody else, and then you just compile everything into one and put it on one. And what did the album do for you for your career? Was it a did it really take off, or what happened with the album? Yeah, man. Oh no, it's Red Rat is is Greensleeve's biggest selling dancehall album to date. You know what I mean? So it's still selling, it's still doing what it's doing. And it it, it was one of those staple albums that um everybody remember. If you never have it on vinyl, you have it on cassette or you have it on CD. I've been places where people pull it out for me to sign. You know what I mean? So, you know, I, I that definitely, definitely put me and stamped me definitely into dance hall as one of dance hall's, you know, biggest artists. And was that the one where you had on the red jumper? Absolutely. There you go. You remember right. it. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually, yo, I thought I thought I lost that red jumper and I just yeah. found it like Crazy. about two weeks ago. Crazy. So that's definitely I'm yeah. put that up somewhere. That's crazy. And you even brought up Bujo because I forgot that you guys had done the song together, the red rat and Bujo B. How yeah. did you feel like, because remember, you said to me when you first started to record, you wanted that big, heavy Bujo voice. How yeah. did you feel like going from a fan to Bujo to now being a co-worker where we're actually recording a song? Together? Man, bro, like the year before that, um, not no, it was not, it was in 94 when in Boss 93, mm-hmm. he, he, he was um, performing for Labor Day. Was it Labor Day or Independence Day at the Jamaica House? Mm-hmm. And we got an opportunity because I used to be in a group called Wild Babies. And we got an opportunity to dance for Bojo. Okay. And and we used rehearsing the whole time. And 
and, and at the end, they switched us from dancing for Buja to dancing for Tonerable. Mm. So I didn't get a chance to for dance the Buja. And I, and I was like, yo, that was an opportunity in my mind that I missed. Yeah. And when, you know, all the, the, those songs came out in 96, Buju is the one that actually tell Jeremy and to call Danny Brownie because he wanted to do a song with me for his album. Because I was the hottest artist at the time in, in, in the world, yeah. you know. And um, I was, I was, you know, dumbfounded because, you know, Buju was, you know, a mentor and still, I'm still somebody we look up to as an artist. And, um, when when we drive got down there, I was I was scared. I was you know shaking because you're gonna meet somebody where you look up to for years and because Mr. Mention actually was one of them albums that I used to use. I used to use that album to practice. Okay. Stop me not that. I know all of them lyrics, every song. <laughs> I tell you all, all of the flows, all the the chop and the hey and the yeah. everything. We know everything. So yeah. um, when I walk in, it was you know. Me and him alone in the studio with the engineer, and mm-hmm. I was so starstruck that um, I would say 80 90 percent of the song was written by Bojo because I would, I, my brain just wasn't working at night, yeah. but the vibe was so nice. And him, because he wanted me to, to use a big voice, actually. Bojo was like, Yo, don't make them stuck, you know, the, the big, the, 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 the little picnic thing, you know, just change yeah. your voice on the record. You're red, red rat, and me, I said, Boy, DJ, I mean, I know, you know, yeah. And you know, him get voted out, everybody was like, nah man, him style hot, so make him keep using him style. And the, the 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 greatest thing about that recording though is this never happened to me before and never happened to me afterwards. Okay. So after we finish um writing the song and we're about to record the song now, I was like, All right, make him go first and then me go afterwards. And Bojo was like, No. So they set up two microphones in the recording booth. And we were recording the song at the same time. Okay. No. Generally, with vocals, you wouldn't get two vocals at the same. You get the band would pay everything, so you'd have seven mics and all those stuff there. But yeah. same vocals, you have the backup, and then we was we two. was recording that at the same time, bro. And that never happened to me afterwards or before that. And and I always remember that because it it was just a it was just a moment in 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 my career that you know you can't say boy you know you did it. Yeah, it did it. You know, the great Bojo Bant and and, and I'm doing something with somebody that I look up to as a as a little youth. You know what I mean? That's true. And in that moment there, when the album came out, give me another highlight of either recording the album, going somewhere, something about that time there that you remember so vividly to this day. Man, when we did the um the album release party in London. Mm-hmm. My virgin, my talent is. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where um, people dubbed me the Jamaican Michael Jackson. Okay. Bro, we did BBC um, interview. I was interview, be, being interviewed on BBC. So we, we drove in and nobody was on the street. We jumped out the car and walked into BBC. Mm-hmm. Went upstairs, David Radigan. Boom, interview, blah, blah, blah. And everything are going nice and new album out and it's hottest album, blah, blah, blah. People calling in, yeah, I love you, blah, blah, blah. It's when the interview finished, yeah. the security ran, come upstairs and say, listen, mm-hmm. we have to figure out how we're going to get this man out of this building. So I'm like, what do you mean? What, what are going on? Mm-hmm. The man said, just look out that window. 
Brother, he said, look out the window. The whole place full of people. And when we look out, some young lady, like, wow. Whoa. And that, that, used, that used to happen to me in every city that I went to for the first time. First time I went to Costa Rica, first time I went to Uganda, and it happened everywhere. That's so wild. And again, <laughs> remember, this is something you're just, at this time here, you're just two or three years into your career this time here. I was, I was still a teenager. <laughs> I can't even believe that. And you were still in school at this time here too? I, when when Shelly and came out, I still was in school, but I left yeah. school like right afterwards. Yeah, and touring the world and stuff. Wow, that's what we've got. And give me one time, probably a recording session with somebody from that same album. Um, who else was on the album? Who else was on the album? With with that that set that there's one session I remember as well was the the, the song "If a Girl Want Try It, Tell Her She Not Get No Blind." That was my first time producing. Danny allowed me to produce that song on 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 the on the album. Okay. So so you know I, I you know I, I came with the idea. He was the one that you know built most of the rhythm and everything, and you know make he sing the background and make Chrissy D come sing something. But also doing the song "No Live Nowhere," recording it with with Chrissy D singing. And just seeing the process of. You know, most of the most of the instruments on that song is vocals. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. That's a, that's that's Danny doing is, and then Chrissy D singing the harmonies and all of that was was a, an amazing moment for me too, because that's one of my favorite records of all time. Yeah, big, big, big there. All right, this is when Oh No, It's Red Rat. This is the first one here. So then, yeah. how much time was it between Oh No, It's Red Rat and I'm a Big Kid now? How much time? I think it. Yeah, I think that was like three years, three or four years, maybe, yeah. I think. Or Yeah, it was three years because what happened was, um, now we get into why Main Street mushroom. So yeah. in 99, um, Danny decided that he wanted to, you know, give him life to Christ. So he became a Christian. Okay. And and decided, you know, one day everybody was just chilling at the studio and him said, yo, I'm going call a meeting. And everybody went in and him said, yo. You know, him get the calling, so he must have got move. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I mean, you can't, you can't wrong a man for these choices we're making in life. So, we, you know, we, I gave him in blessings. Couple people did upset, couple people gave him in blessings. And, you know, you know, at the time, everybody was superstars, and then everybody started to do their own production thing. Goofy became a producer, Degree, me, but everybody started to do their own production thing. Mm -hmm. and, and I think. I said this to them all the time that um, we shouldn't have breaking up because we could have stayed together and even let Shams, who was Danny's nephew, Shams, the producer that did um, Can't Sleep, Body Sanal and Rhythm there. Okay. We should have let him, you know, still keep the crew together. But, you know, everything happened for its own purpose and we, we all went our separate ways. Um, and then I started to work on I'm a Big Kid now because I was signed to Greensleeve with Ono with Red Rat. And, yeah. you know, I owed them another album. So, I, you know, I start going into the studio. And, um, the, I mean, I did what I, I, I could as a, as a young producer at the time and, and mm -hmm. finished the project and, you know, went to England, presented to them. They loved it. We did the photo shoot and everything and started to promote that. And then 
um, my first child was born. So okay. after the I'm a Big Kid Now album, I kind of took myself away from the industry for a couple of years because I wanted to grow her and let her know who her daddy was and, you know, be there in, in some aspects of, you know, to be a father figure somewhat. And was it easier to make that decision since the mentor, the big man, Danny Brownie, had gone? So then now you're basically out here on your own. So for you to decide that, okay, I could take time from my career now to go raise a family was much easier than if Danny was still around? Um, not necessarily. Um, I've learned a lot from being around Danny Brownie and Steely and Clevia and all of them because I used to be the one that would be in the studio absorbing everything, learning how to be an engineer, learning how to, you know, seeing how them produce other artists while everybody outside cracking jokes and, you know, doing what they do. I was always there, you know, learning. So after he made that transition, it was easier for me because I understood how to get it done. So I started my own crew. You know, I had Brad Camp. So, you know, I started to, to record um, Psycho and Maddish. And and um and a, another female artist by the name of Feisty, and okay. also also my brother, his name was Genius at the time. Okay. So I you know we did a couple songs here and there. I did Pink Lotion Rhythm, which was my first production. Yes. Yeah, and and you know Vice Beanie Man and Spraga Benz and all of that. And then after that, I did Rat Patrol Rhythm, mm -hmm. which which also gave Madanju one of his biggest hit. Me not play chess cause you have to check, man. A police alone get the verification, man. So I, I started to produce at the time. And then after that, you know, you know, I finished the album and everything. And then, you know, my first year was born. And then I just, I, I was, I was touring for every night, every weekend. You know what I mean? For, for four or five years straight. And then I just wanted to chill. Yeah. And that makes sense because remember, you're, you were fresh out of high school. You didn't get a time to really know yourself as an adult. And you're on these stages for like four or five years straight. You know straight. I mean? you don't, <laughs> you're not seeing your regular friends, your family members, your wife or girlfriend or whoever at that time because it's nonstop work. So then yeah, now for somebody that's at the tip top of their game, for them yeah. to take time out to raise their family, that's a, that's a hard decision in itself because did you think the industry would wait for you or you knew that the industry is something that continues to move no matter where you are in your career i mean there's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes that a lot of people didn't know and i didn't know until the, the, the whole main street thing got dissolved um mm -hmm. at the time main street was the biggest thing and we was at the tipping point of crossing over into the main street market, you know, um, filthy rhythm was is and still one of the biggest rhythm that crossed over into the international market, and it was at that time that he decided to, you know, make his transition. Yeah. So after all of that, uh, we, I heard, I mean, I've heard, I've, I've learned that you know there was at least three or four companies that wanted to sign me at the time, but they. They, he didn't want them to sign me directly. He wanted them to sign me through Main Street so he could get a distribution deal. Okay. And then it was afterwards when all of that gone, and then I, I, I you know, started to, you know, take time for myself. That's when I learned that, yo, you know that this label wanted to sign you and that label wanted to sign you. So I was furious at the time and I was, you know, very angry about, you know, certain business decisions that I made as a child. Yeah. And, 
you're learning that certain things happen where you never expect for them because this man is family and all of these things. So I was very, very angry and I just took myself away. And, you know, I, I thought at the time that, you know, I mean him or my name, so my space always going to be there because there's nobody like Red Rat. Mm-hmm. No. And, you know, it opened the space for like, you know, Lexus for bus and then Zebra got bus and, you know, the whole, the, the whole spectrum changed. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I, in the time when when I stopped, it was from, she, she was born 99. I didn't do anything until 2004. Like, like to come back and say, I'm about to do music again. So it was a good solid five years. Good solid. I mean, I used to do shows here and there because you know I've I've always been performing somewhere. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because I since I bust till to this day, every year I have a number one somewhere in the world. Even oh. if it never played in Jamaica or never played in the ethnic markets, mm-hmm. I have songs that I I could when I go to you know anywhere in Africa, I have songs that you probably never hear before. Yeah. But I used to do that, but I was never doing the music. And then when I decided say, in 2003, say, all right, we are going to go back to it now. And, you know, we had Rata Castle. Um, I started a label with um, my manager at the time, Scoffrey. Okay. And we built a studio and we'd start producing the vibe. And in 2004, we got an opportunity to do um, Sumfest after never doing Sumfest for so long. Okay. And, and that Sumfest, I kind of had, had to prove myself. And when when I went to the rehearsals, I, I I'm not tooting my own horn, but me, I one of the baddest performers in sure. the world, sure. right? Sure. So I had a, a concept of how I wanted to do something. Mm-hmm. And when I went to the rehearsals with um, Roughcut and tell them the idea, the man them laugh off at me. The man them say, "Yo, rat, we are trying the man just." Compile your, your hit song them together and do a quick medley and come off at the stage. Yeah. That that song fest I did five new songs. Okay. Only five new songs. I did I did not do none of my hits. I did five new songs and mash up the whole place. That year it was me, um, Maka Diamond and and Anthony D took some fest that year. Yeah. That was the year when I was in the 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 Matrix, the Red Matrix suit. Yes, I remember that. Yes, 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 yes. And from start, from start to finish, mm-hmm. straight forward, and I never sing one song with nobody knows. Yeah. Okay, and that wasn't the plan going in, or that's what you? No, that that was my plan. That was my yeah. plan. I decided that yo, listen, me gonna show people. Say, me need a hit song for my show. No show. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm, and I'm not going to depend on the songs them that I had. I'm going to show you how skill means as an artist or bad means as an artist. Because a lot of people kind of underrated me in that time and be like, yo, you're, you're done. And, you know, you're, you're, a, you're a kid star. You're a, you know what I mean? Your time done. And I was, I was destined to prove to these people like, yo, uno don't determine my, my success. And me determine that. And father got determined that. Mm-hmm. So the, the production of what we did was was very creative from start to finish. I remember when 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 um I think it was Big A who was introducing me. He must say, "Yo, next on stage." I mean, no, he said, "Um, it was right after." I remember this too. It was right after Deli Ranks was doing um Jiggy Time with with Voicemail. Yes. So I had I had like six six dancers and four backup singers. You you know um D Major. Yeah, yeah. 
D major was in a group called um, QT. Did they know they, so QT is is the they they kind of spawned off of TOK, okay. but but they only did like R and B songs. So they was huge in the in the in the high school um, sections because they used to go do boys to men and the girls. I mean, also mud over there. Yeah. So and and in Street Side of Mabay's video, they was also in the video as the backup singers. So I took them as my backup singer, and I had like. Um, four or five um, expression dance expressions yes so so <clears throat> we created a, a skit from start to finish so um jiggy time was the biggest song at the time and they was performing and, and um we was at the gate come pulling in with the bus and they were saying yo only red rat alone can come in the rest of them have to steal because sharon burke had our armbands and you know that's something they go in there yeah that's the show and bag a mix up and rear i've decided so yo if i'm not gonna perform how I planned it, I nah, go inside, I nah, perform none at all. And yeah. I heard I heard them on the radio, all right, well, make him stay out there, then we call on the next artist and we, blah, blah, blah. And, and we just pray. at the time when I was talking, we just swallow a reverence and we say, Father God, mm-hmm. you know what's best. Yeah. And just and when Jiggy time they must sing the song and it had done, I'm here, love for no me, me, um, Sharon Berg said, Let him in, let him in, let him in. So they, op- <laughs> so they open the door, they open the gate at some face, and we're driving in. And the MC on the, on the mic says, So, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for Be the Man? And the place go, eh, Are you ready for Bounty Killer? Eh. Well, next on stage, Red Rat. It's when he said that, bro, you can hear a pin drop. <laughs> Me, oh. Ma, me, me, the place was so quiet. Me, Ramon said, Yo, jerk chicken. Yo, you, you, you could have heard everything. And we're like, I the bus don't open, no one, everybody run out. And um, just the start of the show alone was was epic. One of the dancers, the, the female dancers, um, no, it was, yeah, she, one of the female dancers walked out in a full white dress and she walked up to the crowd and there was a spotlight on her. And she, she took up her book and she says, Welcome, friends and visitors to Jamaica. And tonight I'm going to teach you about the Jamaican culture. Yeah. Jamaican, the, the culture of Jamaican, um, the Jamaican females, people love to come to Jamaica because of our culture and also because of the Jamaican females. And she said the Jamaican females, mm-hmm. one of the dancers them come out in a purple hairstyle and stick yourself. <laughs> I walk on the <laughs> and the Jamaican females are so eloquently spoken. I hear she say, Lalin, you know, somebody has something. And she said, and also the eloquent way of how, how our Jamaican men speak to our ladies. And you see the Rastaman from, um, from I, um, Expressions, um, Avil Walkout, and yeah. see us across the lead and say, <laughs> Yo, Skeptel. Come here. <laughs> from that, <laughs> no, you say, "Are you laughing?" Everybody yeah. was on the ground laughing. Mm-hmm. And and I understand. And when we run out and we do my thing, it was it was an epic performance, bro. I yeah. ain't gonna lie. It was one of them performances. And, and to this day, I can't find it. I asked Winfred them for find the footage, but I'm dying to get that footage. It will be it will be around somewhere, and it's the the thing that you really realize is there's a clear difference between recording a song and performing a song. Absolutely, and a lot of people don't get that because I think somebody in your career right now, if you were to stop recording music, say even up to fifteen years ago, you could go on and perform for the rest of your life. 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. I was blessed with a ratalog that stand the test of time. You know what I mean? My ratalog. I like that. Ratalog. Yeah, man. A ratalog, man. When I deal with catalog. <laughs> yeah, man. So I, in my ratalog, I can, I can say I, I have at least five records that plays in every clubs every night. For sure. For sure. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I've been blessed. And that's so crazy. And what do you find is the biggest difference with the industry back then to right now? Um, a whole heap of things, you know, because of the, the everybody have Pro Tools, everybody can go buy a Pro Tools or a Ableton or whatever. The, the, the production quality is not as, as, you know, great as what it was back then because for us, if one line needed to change into the song to make the song perfect, we would go uh, go back and finish it. Yeah. But now each each producer now is sending the rhythm to the artist and the artist voicing himself. Mm -hmm. And an artist not going to be critical within himself to know, say, yo, you know, so the, the line I need to change because to an artist, every line are the body's line. Yeah. And and if you don't have that 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 understanding to know, say, yo, the, this need to change, that need to change, you need to you need to pitch that more that key that was off key and all of that so so the the, the quality of the productions is 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 down also the camaraderie that we had back in the days where everybody are bridging if danny have a rhythm or shams have a rhythm or cleave have a rhythm everybody got, yo me would have called ellie and say yo ellie you know say you know say the cleave um the Celia and cleave have a rhythm or yo assassin you need to come check me up you bury a student and then all of us was in there helping each other to finish write a song or while it's producing or you know changing a line or yo we need some crowd and all the way as big artists in you know, the same thing i help each other like I, I i i always tell people this like if you listen to every song that came out of main street my voice was in there in every song okay. yeah 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 if you listen it my voice is in there if you hear traffic blocking go on you see that go on that was me i didn't know that yeah. Every record, if you listen, every single record, I'm in there. Yeah. So that that that's missing right now because every man is them. I mean, I'm a mini man. I mean, I'm own big man, and the boy can't tell me nothing. That's why, oh, red rap them, them one day all artists. We not go ask them nothing. We not because I've I've been trying to reach out to a couple of these young artists to try to teach them how to perform because none of them can perform. Mm -mm, mm -mm. The art of performing has gone by the wayside. And it's because them not them they know want techno telling them know want hear from somebody like me that would give them pointers like oh Beanie Man give me pointers and Ninja Man give me pointers and oh them get pointers from everybody else you understand me I said it 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 has to evolve into everybody helping each other that's the only way it can work yeah no and you're you're right because that's me personally I find that that's what's really misses because one time you'd get the song. That's cool. Then either the artist is going to DJ it live on a stone of a metrometer, a jar, or whatever the case is. But then after that, then you're going to have Champion in Action, Sting, GT Taylor Extravaganza, all of these shows where now we can't wait to go see it perform. But there is no, this is just me personally. I don't find that there's no excitement to see a show like, holy smokes, I can't wait to see what they're going to do at this show. Now, the only, the only time you're excited to see a, a, a performance is a 90s show. Yeah. And, yeah. and, 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 and 90s, for, for the past couple of years, the only show that's guaranteed to be a packed event is a 90s event. Yeah. You understand? And then you, you're going to see the artist them that's going to sound the same way or them sound on the record. 
Like nowadays, if you, you they're using so much attitude and so much different sounds when they go on stage, they're not sound like the same person. Yeah. So it, it defeats the element of seeing the, the person live. And then also, I, I remember I, I did one of these young artists, I read him at everything, mm-hmm. and I went to one of his, his concerts to see him perform a specific song. Mm-hmm. And for the whole night, him, pull up, pull up. And then when it reached the song with me, while here, you know, I'm like, yo, if this man <laughs> pull up the song with me, pay my money for come see him for, and him pull up the song and, and come off my stage, I don't want to see him back again. And he did exactly that. Just like that. And that's the art right now. It's either sing a couple long lines, pull up, or sing a couple lines, and the crowd sings the rest. There's no interaction even the style of dressing the only show that's left with the style of dressing is some fest that's the only one from me personally looking around but everything else is just you just get up and you go and you sing two songs and pull up you go and there's no energy behind it there's no there's no putting nothing into your craft you know yeah yeah i've seen artists like veneman in the middle in performance just drop the mic on the floor and start tap dancing yeah no, they don't have them crafting. Me, I in the middle of my show when I want to take a breather, I just take up an instrument and start playing it. Yeah. And they don't realize <laughs> that those are those are crafts to the craft. You understand? So people think you're just entertained, but it's like, yo, I need five minutes. I'm tired. I can't sing anymore. Give me five minutes. And again, those <laughs> are intricate details that most people have no clue. They yeah, man. Part of the show. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> crazy, crazy, crazy. Let's go through this Main Street stuff here. So you said that 99, Danny Browning became Christian. And then mm-hmm. this is when the entire group split up. Yeah. So at that time there, where's the catalog? What happens to the catalog? And where did everybody basically go? Um. Well, most of the masters was owned by, you know, Danny, Main Street, or, you know, they... License it to VP or Greensleeves, and most of these masters are owned by these people. Mm-hmm. But um, we're working on something too as well, so can't talk about that. But <laughs> um, everybody went their own separate ways. Everybody started their own their own thing. You know, me, um, Dick Kofi had Young Bloods, mm-hmm. Degree had Size Eight, mm-hmm. um, Buccaneer had Opera House Music. So I mean, everybody just went their own separate ways and took a different path. That's you know. Everybody take them on different path, and right now, I'm here, You're and, here. They, and everybody there. <laughs> I hear you 100. And do you still live in Jamaica, or you live somewhere else now? No, I live in. I mean, I'm back and forth between Jamaica and um, Miami, but um, right now I'm in Miami quarantined. You're in Miami quarantine, and what year or how long ago did you move to Miami? As my seminary moved to mm-hmm. Miami, I, I I'm. Back and forth between, because I have places all over the place. So I, I'd be staying in Jamaica. I have to go to Jamaica because my kids are in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. And then my, my mother lives in the Cayman Islands. And then I'm here with my partner who we have mogul movements and mogul beats. And, and we do um, various different things from, from, from a business aspect. So I'm, I'm always, always on a plane. Okay, so then that's coming from the Miami side. Let's talk about that because I know that's now your newest venture, as in I think in about five years ago you started that there? But Mogul Movements Worldwide started in 2009 where we okay. started We started as a, as a label mm-hmm. and then we ventured out into doing our own um, um, concerts and, and, and okay. shows 
because I was tired of, you know, hearing a producer calling and say, yo, you know, so you know, on a new song, so I feel like I diss you forget. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think that, you know, the, the crowd are going to come. And then I used to listen and be like, all right, if you say so. And then when I reached to the venue, it packed. <laughs> and then, yeah. so now I have to fight with a man for, for, for yo, listen, it, yeah. the numbers don't add up. Mm-hmm. So and people used to try to use that craft with me from time to time until I did, I just got fed up with them and just start keep my own show and realize that when you keep it, the people are gonna come. It's not you why the people are coming. It's yeah. me. It's me them who I say. Yeah. And then after we started doing that, um, you know, we did other couple of other ventures, doing our own tours and all of that. And then we just started Mogul Beats, which is. We started to write and produce, you know, venturing into different genres of music. Mm-hmm. And and we, when I say me, I'm talking about my partner, Pascali, who is also a singer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we started to write and produce all different genres of music. Um, we just finished doing like a year or two in Spanish music, in the Spanish um, reggaeton. You know, we worked with DJ Buddha, um, Mafio, who is like the Kanye West of the Spanish music. Mm-hmm. So we, we did a lot of those you know things and so now we started mogul beats where we are now doing our thing with everybody else because we used to work on other people's labor Got so you. this now is our own writing and production team and mm-hmm. quarantine rhythm is the, the first production out of mogul beats yeah i even the funny thing with it since we're talking about it i heard the song bubbling but when i knew okay there's something here is when I heard Tony Matron play that the other night in the song. <laughs> I said, oh, okay, all right, I, I see what's going on here. How yeah, did you guys even connect and um, make that happen there? Um, I mean, I guess it all spawned from the, being in quarantine and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, watching Netflix and all the TV shows. You get fed up and, you know, uh, do, there's nothing else to watch on TV or do, mm-hmm. so... I was sitting down watching, I don't remember what I was watching, probably Game Show Network or something. And I heard Pascali walking around in the, in the house, humming the melody. Dun, 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 dun. And she's just doing her thing, because that's how yeah. she does. And I was like, yo, listen, that bud, going to the studio right now yeah. and, and lay it down. So she went in the studio, she pulled up Ableton, and then she was playing this, the, the same um, melody, but she was using a flute. Okay. And then all of a sudden, I just hear it switch from the flute to a violin. And I was like, I eat that. That is it. <laughs> that is it. And then she started to build the rhythm. And I went in there and I, you know, kind of help her and guide her and, you know, play play some of the drum patterns or whatever. And she fill in all of the sounds. And when we heard the rhythm, I was like, yo, I have to jump on a rhythm. Yeah. Yeah, no, for as, sure. So as as soon as the rhythm done, let me start. Well, even when she was building it, I was starting writing. What what can I sing about now that is relevant to everybody? Mm-hmm. She girl locked me up, quarantine. Can't come out. Nobody can't come in, right? <laughs> and I record I recorded on the on the song and uh, on the rhythm and everything. So she 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 was you know we sat down and said, all right, so. How much people you want on the production? Yeah? That's mm-hmm. the first thing because juggling is is not really that um, prevalent in a dancehall right now. Mm-hmm. And but she said, well, that is what I think what's missing in dancehall. You know, she 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 come from that era there when she flew back from um, she used to live in Switzerland okay. and, flew, and flew back to the Bahamas when she was probably about 13, 14. So and her introduction to dancehall was Lady Sa. 
Baby, right. are you up for this? So she grew up on Ladysa uh, and T.O.K. and myself and General Degree and blah, blah, blah. And she, mm -hmm. she loved that vibe there and she missed that vibe because that's, to me, that's where dance all stop. From okay. when we used to do what we used to do mm -hmm. and to where the mother know it still stop away we did. Yeah. So okay. she said, that's the vibe what she want to bring. So, so she said, all right, you are. She loved T.O.K., so let's reach out to Basie because she wants somebody with a big voice on it. So reach out to Basie and send him the rhythm, and within no time, in like a day or two, him come back with an idea and say, yo, listen, I have this idea, and we are looking for a female artist on it. Show mm -hmm. different ideas, show different ideas, and Pascale has always um, liked Tiffa and respect how Tiffa do our work or everything. So we said to Basie, you know, we, we could try Tiffa and him say, yeah, man, that to be perfect. And we reach out to Tiffa and as soon mm -hmm. as she hear it, she say, yo, send it right away. Yeah. And she went to the studio and do her thing. Um, my brother heard the, I said, uh, whenever I build, you know, we build beats or whatever, there's a couple of people mm -hmm. that we send it to just to get their opinion of, of, of what they think of it. So I sent the rhythm to my brother and the, the, I sent it to him like the night in, in probably about nine o'clock, 10 o'clock the night. And when I woke up in the morning, he sent back his song, like he recorded on the rhythm. And I was like, yo, that song I bought in him. Yeah. Then um, she was like, yo, listen, the, the, we need somebody hot. We need somebody that is hot in the industry, but also is relevant to what dancehall is. Yeah. And the only person that made sense was Ding Dong. Ding Dong is the king of dance right now. Plus he's yeah. the hottest artist right now. And me and we we are good friends. We met him. I mean, she met him in Trinidad and everything. Okay. And the vibe was nice and everything. So we reach out to Ding Dong and send him to read him and the man say, Yo, this bad. And within no time him come back with the idea, the, the idea madhead. But he said, Yo, listen, we have this idea when they madhead, which is for all the pretty girls them where where head sick, you know, no matter but you know what I mean that there's all we know all of those type of girls. You know? Possibly I'm mad as well. So um, but he said he didn't want to sing the hook. He wanted a female to sing the hook. Okay. And again, we went went through how many female artists, which female artists, in, and you know, it didn't match to what he was looking for. So it, it boiled down to when he said, you know, Pascal, why don't you try to to do it and let's see if okay. it works? And she she was kind of you know iffy about it because if it didn't sound authentic enough, she didn't really want to do it. So she tried it and she knocked it out the park. And then, you know, uh, she was the last person to record on the, on the rhythm because she said she can't have a rhythm and don't voice a song on it. And Come she came on. up with, with Hardcore Love. And, and to me, it's one of the baddest songs I heard from a female outside of the Caribbean in a long time. And I think that record is going to be one of them crossover songs. So we're, yeah. pushing the, we're pushing the project right now as best as we can stuck in quarantine. And, mm -hmm. you know, we're getting some crazy love and some major love from some big, you know, prominent DJs and, and, and selectors across the board. So but also I'm big them up seeing me, you know what I mean? Good, good. Cause I seen a uh, conversation you had with Not Nice. I think this was this was a little while ago. Well, where, a month ago. <laughs> yes, where he was speaking, where he was at almost like a crossroad where he felt like he wasn't getting the support for yeah. the juggling in Jamaica. But then yeah. you turned around and said you felt the same way too until you actually looked outside and understand, listen, this world is mm. up big world out here even yeah, though jamaica is the epicenter of dance yes. all, where everything yes. is yes. yeah but there's there's people that uh, you know that that love the culture outside of you know what we know it as now in jamaica that continues to buy 45s because records is still selling okay 
45s and, and, and LPs is still pressing. And a lot of people don't know that. The people in UK buy buy 45s and still, you know what I mean? And they like the, the juggling culture because that's just a different vibe. Like when 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 the artists them buck up and you can run one rhythm and everybody are sing song for one rhythm for the whole time. That energy is is different. You see it with the beanie man and bounty killer clash. Exactly. Where the man them does go straight with one, you know what I mean? That's that's just a vibe that no other genre has. Mm-hmm. And and I think the youth them not understand the value of what them have. So that's why them them they might try run away from it in some sense. Yeah. That makes that makes sense. What would you say was the pinnacle of your career so far? Um I, I don't think the pinnacle is reached yet, you know, because I, I just proved to to myself and everyone that, you know, not not dead can dash it because I'm still putting out hits. That that, mm-hmm. that plaque right there, you know, we just did 22 million streams on Spotify on a song that's never played one time in Jamaica. Crazy. You know, so I'm I'm still doing what I do. I I, I it's it's a conscious decision when I when mm-hmm. I decided to to leave Jamaica at the time, um about 12 years ago when, you know, it was in, in the time of the Gaza Gully thing where they must say, if you're not a Gaza, you're not a Gully. Then, uh, yeah. if it, when when Bounty, Bounty was like, if you're not an alliance, you're a appliance. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, you know, I used to put out songs and people was not playing them, but I used to get calls from other countries that the song big in this country and it never played in a Jamaica once. And I would be flying every week. I'll see everybody were hot in a Jamaica, me and them, they're at the airport, same way. Crazy. Uh, we flying out and them would them wonder, oh, so how we must fly? Because I'm still putting out good music. Good music don't stop a Norman Manly. At all. Yeah. At all. Crazy. <laughs> okay. So then this one, I asked you the pinnacle. What's been the biggest disappointment in your career this far, so far? My biggest disappointment. Mm-hmm. Um, I use every disappointment as a as a as a learning tool, mm-hmm. you know. So I I don't really focus on negativity, you know. So if you if you ever ask me that, I don't really have an answer for that because I'm focusing on the positive aspect of anything negative happening because mm-hmm. you learn from it and you you. You don't make the same mistakes again. I've made a lot of mistakes. So have everybody in the industry. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and for me to point out a, a, a mistake or a, a, a down point in my career would, would be not not appreciating what I have now. You know what I mean? And I'm very appreciative that I'm still here after 20 something years in the industry that I can still sell records. <laughs> Crazy, twenty-two million, and especially what type of music was it? It's EDM. It was a, it was, a, it was an EDM Bombaton record that I did with DJ Buddha, mm-hmm. and it was huge in the Spanish market. I just released another EDM track with Eva Shaw, who is, um, she is like the the wife of a big EDM DJ, Showtech. Okay. And it's doing very, very good right now. So I mean, I don't limit myself to just dancehall music or. You know what I mean? I, I do every genre and I'm going to be red rat on every genre. I'm not going to try to rap and I'm not going to try to sing. I'm going to be red rat. And that's why my music can go anywhere because everybody knows who red rat is. Everybody know that sound. Everybody know the owner. And I'm not trying to be anybody else but myself. Yeah. Makes total sense. One last question I have for you here. When it comes to your style, that same style that you've had throughout the years, 
do you think it's actually put you in a box or that's what actually allowed you to escape the box? I mean, would you put Snoop Dogg in a box? Snoop Dogg has been Snoop Dogg from, from the day Snoop Dogg come out. And the difference is because nobody sounds like Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Nobody sounds like Red Rat. There's only one Red Rat in this world. There's only one person with my sound, with, with mm -hmm. my catchphrase, with my style of how I write. There's yeah. nobody else that's doing it because mm -hmm. it's not like them can do it. It's just hard for them. Yeah. So <laughs> until until somebody capture the, the, the what Red Rat does, I'm gonna yeah. always be relevant and, and not be put in a box because I'm I'm I am the box. Yeah. Makes one thousand percent sense <laughs> because you're the only person you're competing with is yourself. You're just it's trying only to be myself. than yesterday. It's not like okay, there's ten of us sharing this type of style. So and I'm not and I'm not trying to write a song bigger than tight up skirt. I'm just writing another tight up skirt. Yeah, I would. You would say you would say that would be the biggest song of your career to this day. Globally, absolutely. Yeah. Tight up yeah. skirt is my biggest record. I mean, Chris yeah. Brown. Chris Brown just did over tight up skirt. So, what are you talking about? I didn't even know that. Yeah, I just got, I just received the plaque for that one too. Chris Brown. Um, privacy. Yeah. In his record called Privacy. Mm -hmm. Hey, you got another tight up skirt. Bring yeah. the ass in the club and in the door. Say that that's like boom chakalaka. That's tight up skirt, bro. Crazy guy. Crazy. Yeah. And I even the song that. that we just did with um with Chip from the UK with Steph London and Alkaline, that mm -hmm. whole record is mine. Is me. My girl, my girl come too. You know, that's Shellyan. And in the verse, him go, me would I see him? All the melodies was my melody. So crazy. We're still relevant, man. Like one thousand percent. And what it is is a lot of times it's what people don't understand about this industry, a lot of times if I see you on the front page a lot, you're not really making as much money as this person that you're not really seeing a lot. So then it's either do you want the fame or are we trying to make some money? Because generally fame and money generally don't go in the same. No work together because yeah, to get no. the fame, you have to spend money. Yeah, <laughs> you get it. Before I get you out of here, give me a wicked 90s medley before I get you out of here, please. All right, boom. That one a deadly. Yes, it is deadly. That one I call the Red Rod medley. That one a deadly. Yes, it is deadly. That one I call, boom. Cha, on that girl, that girl, Shellyan. She go like she nice enough. One bugger man, that girl, that girl, Shellyan. Another that one, and this one, boom. Me would a shame. Me and you a friend, but just me do weird. You can't. Of a girl and every night she complain. Move back enough, cause you a give man bad name. Oh no, hey, I mean she want to see you me cute. A muscle she want, she don't want to look at you. I mean she want look at me brown and sim. Which girl me at her? Oh no, hey you girl in a the tight up skirt. You make me head swell to me blood vessel verse. Hey you girl in a the tight up slot. You speed up ten more. Just tell them to stop. Chop on your name like Wrigley's and take them nose out of your business. Business stuff, chupa your name like, 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 like. Go tell them, say, Mickey, I sleep. Mickey, I'm get fed was off. Who might rattle like beginner, brother? Mickey, I'm continue. Go on, go on, go in. <laughs> Listen, it's like one thing I noticed with somebody like you is you've done something as we're going to call it your name. Okay, you see, there's the dog <laughs> and the rat. <laughs> with having a catalog is what makes. The most difference in the world you see like right now how you're sitting down and you're not touring and stuff it's your catalog that's no. bringing in no it's not the catalog 
It's the Ratalag. <laughs> Ratalag. <laughs> it's these, the Ratalag. These are my babies right now. I hear you. I this, hear this, you. This Cavalli, Cavalli yeah. and this is Coco. Cavalli and Coco. I'm a two done then, you see me? I hear you, boss. Yeah, it's but yeah, man, it's because the of the, the Ratalag. The Ratalag, I mean, as I said, I'm blessed with the Ratalag that allows me to still, you know, travel to places, bro. Yeah. So. Crazy. Red Rack, this conversation was freaking amazing. A lot of stuff that I've learned. And I know you only told me 2% of the history. You know what I mean? 2%. <laughs> This this conversation would be like ten hours long if we got <laughs> if we get deep into it. Yeah. Yeah, because it's crazy. But again, hopefully as soon as all of this is over, we could connect in real life. I'm in my studio. Hopefully you come to Canada, sit down in the studio and we'll really chop it up the real and proper way. You know what I mean? Yeah, man, absolutely. And again, thanks for having me on your platform, my brother. And anytime, just keep the link going. Yeah, all the time. Give them some contact info if they want to check out what you're going on or anything right now. The floor is yours right now. Yeah, man. And anything you need to know, you know, you can check out my website at um, redrapmusic.com or, you know, you know, if you want management and bookings, just link mogulmovementsworldwide at gmail.com. That's mogulmovementsworldwide at gmail.com. And on, all, and on all social media, it's at Red Rat Music, you, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of them. Mm -hmm. Don't you find social media to be almost like a miracle? Imagine you had social media back when. Can you people... imagine? Can you imagine? <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. Nobody Crazy. couldn't talk to me. <laughs> Crazy. You no, know, I can't wait to actually get this together and put it out. I got a lot of episodes, but can't wait to put this out. But thank you so very much. Epic conversation. Respect my brother. movements worldwide. Is it? You understand. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Muscle, and this has been another Two Line Music Cuts Entertainment Report podcast, and we are out. Bam. This podcast is brought to you by www.twolinedmusicut.com.